this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Have all of you done athletics at some stage? You've run a race, you've seen how quick you are or non-quick you are. Um, and the thing is about a race is that it does have a starting point. It's, a com- it's got a common starting point for each and every one uh, that is involved in the race. And uh, for you guys that are maybe starting to study or even in the beginning of this year, it is a new beginning. It is a new start to the next step of your life, whether you're first year or even if you're second year or third year, it is a new year and it is a, a relative um, new beginning and it's a new start. Um, and the thing is, here's just a, just a little bit of a picture. Just go to the next one about how has your life been so far? You've, you've been, you all have been born, in case you didn't know. Okay, that is the then, right on the beginning. Okay? That's then. We are now there with the now. And there's a whole lot of stuff that has happened between then and now. And now we're looking forward to see, okay, how am I going to run this race going forward? And the thing is that the one thing that we all have in common is that we're all going to die. Another thing that we all have in common is that we are alive right now. (laughs) But we have also in common that we're all going to die one day. If that is news to you, just think about it for a moment. It'll sink in. (laughs) Okay. But then it's going to be game over and your race ends. And then I think it's an appropriate little picture of that because, you know, in the hospital, like, beep, 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 beep. There we are, okay? But our race is inevitably going to end. The question is just when is it going to end? And uh, we have a, I have a four-year-old daughter and, uh, and another one that's one year old. And we have a, we have a nanny um, that comes three days a week that uh, um, in the mornings look after the little one, the, the one that's four years old. She's in the school. And when was it? Friday or Thursday. She comes to... Yeah, it's Thursday. She comes to into the house. Uh, I was just waiting for her before I would go to work. And uh, Christina's already left. And as she just walks into the door, she just she, she just starts crying. And I'm like, okay, what what's going on? What's wrong? Is, is everything fine? And uh, just trying to gauge what it is that she's saying also through the tears. And she just said that, she got off at UJ, off the, tex- off the taxi. We stay in West D now, so it's close for her. So, so she just got off here in Empire Road, Kingsway Road, uh, here at the main entrance. And as she got off, somebody else um, basically um, had an accident and killed one of the students that was crossing the road. Um, and, yeah. It just, it just struck me, like, and, and obviously for, or not obviously, but for, for our nanny, that is also, she, she's very compassionate. So she goes through the motions of, uh, 
Like that is somebody's child that's that's not coming home tonight. Um, and and she, and she yeah, it was just it just struck home to me just the finality that death brings, and in a sense also the clarity that death brings. Um, sometimes to understand or or appreciate the light so much is often is sometimes you just sit in the dark. Thanks to ESCOM, we get that experience often these days. But at the same time, like, like we get an appreciation more for life when we actually also are confronted with death, either personally or, or somebody else's death. And obviously that is a tragic, tragic thing that happened on Thursday with this specific student. But the reason I tell that story is because that is very close to home for all of us, and to especially you guys, because you study here, you go to Campus Square, you walk the same road that that student walked, and it could have happened to any one of you or us, for that matter. And we, we make plans and we think about how's it going to go this year, uh, how's my studies going to work out, uh, hopefully I get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and um, not both. Uh, just, um, <laughs> um, but we make plans and it's, it's, it's good to make plans because... That determines also, in a sense, how we are going to run the race. Is those things that we do plan, um, etc. However, the most important important decisions that we make right now is going to determine where we spend the rest of eternity. Um, and the thing is, like I just illustrated exactly what I just said now with the next two slides of. Your, your game over, your finish line of your race might still be a very long way from now. And I just want to say that if it is a long way from now, you can make a massive impact in a lot of people's lives in your, in your lifetime. If it is in three days' time, if it is tomorrow, I want to say you can make a massive impact in people's lives, whether it's one day, whether it's a thousand days, whether it's 10,000 days that you're still going to be living you can make a massive impact on people's lives around you. It's just going to me. It's just going to de- depend on whether you make the most of every opportunity that God actually presents to yourself, to you. Um, so, having said a whole lot of that, I want us to specifically have just this in, this in mind: the decisions that we make in this lifetime. And you can show us the next slide there. Next one. That is about as small as I could get your lifetime on a slide. I would have made it smaller if I could for illustrative purposes. Um, Next one. When your life ends, then 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 it's it. Then it's eternity. Then there's one or two options. Whether you believe it or not, is irrelevant because if God says that it is that it is that, then it's that. And next one, next one. It's either heaven or it's hell. And you guys might have the answer to the question in terms of what is the one that qualifies me to go to heaven? What is the decisions that I make in this lifetime which disqualifies me to go to heaven? On the one side. If you 
know that you are in Christ and you've made a decision to make Jesus not only your Savior but your Lord, then you have a peace in your heart that you know where you're going. But at the same time, you have a slight discomfort in you to realize that there's a whole lot of people that I know that does not have this. So there's a peace, but there's also this little bit of a disquietness in our hearts if we really understand, wow, God's grace is amazing. He saved me. But somewhere along the line, we come to the realization that, hang on, my mother or my father or my brother or my sister or my roommate hasn't come to that realization yet and hasn't made that decision yet. And that starts breaking our hearts. We can harden our hearts for that, but it's, God actually wants to use that. And, and I've often seen that people that have just come to Christ, that have just surrendered their lives, make the best evangelists. <laughs> because you are still, your own conversion, or your own realization of the cross of Jesus and His saving grace is still so fresh in your mind that you can't but help tell other people and say, God is amazing, you need to come, you need to see this, you need to, you need to experience God for who He is. And sometimes when we walk a long road with God, sometimes we lose focus of that. We, we lose sight of the significance of our own salvation, of the fact that Jesus has saved us. And I just want to encourage you all to, to revisit, for one, the cross of Jesus Christ regularly and what it means, but then also the day where you actually gave your life to God, where Jesus' blood actually applies to you. Okay, so I've said a lot and we haven't even read a scripture. Okay, so here, here goes. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 25. And my question here is, what are you running for? If your main purpose here at university is to get a degree, I'm telling you that your motive is wrong. You are here, yes, that is part of the reason. But if you're a child of God, the main reason to be on campus is to glorify Him. And you're going to glorify Him through your academics, and you're going to glorify Him through everything that you do. But that sort of needs to be the first thing. Okay. So what are you running for? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one get the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And the thing is that we base a lot of our decisions that we make in life based on temporal things. Like, where am I going to stay? Where do I want to work? And those things are all good. However, I want to encourage you, the preceding question must be, Lord, where do you want me to stay? Where do you want me to, to, to study? Where do you want me to work? Because if we start asking those questions, we start realizing that whatever I do, there's a purpose that God has locked into what I'm busy doing. Because um, often what we do is we ask God to come and bless what we do. 
and we don't ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Because I can tell you now that if you do what God wants you to do, it's going to be automatically blessed. And often we ask God to come and bless the stuff we're doing, and it's got nothing to do with what He wants us to, to be busy with. Amen. It's getting relatively quiet, but it's okay. Um, and the point being there is that we are doing, we are running this race, the decisions that we're making, we're doing for a crown that will last forever. Verse 26 to 27. Therefore, I do not run like a man beating the air. I, I, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And the question here is, how will you run? Okay? And the thing is that we might have good intentions of I want to run for the race to be to qualify for the prize of eternal life one day. But we are often not keen so much to discipline ourselves to run this race the most effective way that God has called us to do. Like Paul says here, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat the blow to my body. I discipline myself so that... Here comes the purpose. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You see that word disqualified there? Do you know that you can lose your salvation? Let's see. <laughs> my my one-year-old daughter, she's got big blue eyes. So when she looks at you, she blinks her eyes like that. Have you ever seen, you, have, whoever you've seen Frozen? Seen Frozen? If you haven't, it won't change your life. Um, but my daughter loves Frozen. And uh, you know, what's the, Kristoff, the guy with the moose? He, he's got big brown eyes. And when he blinks, it looks just like that. And I saw a couple of those blinks. Okay, the, I just must just qualify why I'm saying we can be disqualified. And it's just, it's not a matter of, I didn't read my Bible today and therefore I'm disqualified for the prize. That, that's not what it means. There's a, there's a, we can, it happened one of two ways, in my opinion, is either you can deliberately turn away from God and say, God, I want nothing to do with you anymore. Or it can be a gradual backslide up into a point of where you lose relationship with God. Like, for example, my wife and I are in covenant with one another, in a marriage covenant. Jesus makes, a, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we don't date him. We enter into a covenant relationship with him. Okay, that's like the strongest form of commitment that we can make. However, we can break that covenant and we can move away from that covenant. And it's based on relationship. If I don't talk to my wife for, for a year, there's not much relationship going on. And the key is that we need to grow in our relationship with God. Now, I don't know where the, where the line in the sand is in terms of how or when. But the thing is, like, um, 
in Revelation, like John writes letters to the to certain churches, um, and and in one of the letters he says, "Lest your name be um, blotted out of the book of life," meaning the person's name was in the book of life, but it was removed. Okay, so I'm just putting it out there. I don't want to want you to live like in fear kind of a thing. Now, ooh, am I losing my salvation? That's not, that's not the point. What I'm just saying is that we can actually be disqualified um, for the prize. However, God's grace and God's mercy is massive. And is, if you sin tomorrow, it doesn't mean that you're disqualified. That is, that, is, that is not the point. It's linked to relationship with God. Um, okay, right relationship with God. Okay. Um, Here's, my, here's a question for you. This year, whether you're first year, whether you're final year, whether you're post-grad, whether you're working, will you deliberately discipline yourself to run this race the most effective way that God has called you to do? And when I'm talking about discipline, I'm talking about will you make a point of growing in your quiet time with God? Will you make a point, will you discipline yourself to live purposefully for God? Will you make a point of being disciplined to witness to your friends? You all agree that witnessing is sort of a natural outflow of a Christian life? If you didn't know that, write it down. Okay. (laughs) And do it tomorrow. Okay. Or do it tonight. And those are parts of just who God calls us to be. Okay. So, I want you to go home and I want you to go write down what are the things that you're going to do that you are going to deliberately discipline yourself to make the most of every opportunity this year. Um, and Tommy did the announcement. She mentioned Bible school. Yeah, that is an option. I'm, I'm not saying that is the option. Yeah, that is an option. If you want to grow in your knowledge of the Word, Bible school is an amazing opportunity. It's not just if you want to go full-time ministry. It's not just if you want to... Um, get a theological degree. You don't actually get a theological degree with that Bible school, but it is it is amazing. Even if you just want to come check it out, this this Tuesday is the last open one, and to come 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 check it out. I'm teaching the first year, so you'll recognize the speaker. Um, okay, so that is one of the options. Our encounter series is another option. But even if you don't slot into this church and it's in another church, I want to encourage you guys to really get planted in a local church. Um, I so appreciate like, the guys, the worship team, Suzanne, the, the guys that behind the desk, everybody that just serves. You guys can now see now that the dust has settled a little bit from the first year services that now you sort of get a feel of how big our student ministry is now. And uh, the thing is, like for me, church is not about the vibe. For me, church is about building. And yes, God is the one that builds His house. But He uses people to build His house. And uh, for you guys that are considering whether you want to slot in here or not, I'm inviting you not just for a good time, etc. I'm inviting you to build. And there is joy in the building. There's joy in being in the trenches. Like Elmery, I I can trust Elmery with my life. I trust her with my kids as well. She babysits them sometimes. But the thing is, we've been on missions together. Devolt and Emmanuel as well. Gerald, no, I haven't been with you. 
the thing is, we've been in the trenches together. We've had to eat curry together in India. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just when there's purpose involved, you build significant relationship with the people around you. So what I'm holding just in front of you, if you want to slot in here, that there's going to be great times. Um, there's also going to be times when you're tired and you don't want to go do set up a church. But because God has called us to build, we do it because we committed to that. Um, so I want to thank you guys that have been faithful these, this whole month so far. That, that even though you guys are there early in the morning service doing the setup and then just slaving away this afternoon as well, it really blesses my heart. Um, okay, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 verse 5. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does, not um, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Now here's a question. What are the rules to this race? Um, it's not the Ten Commandments, that I can tell you. Um, we compete in this race whether you... Your salvation depends on whether you are in Christ or not. And how do you get in Christ? Is you become born again, like John, John chapter 3 talks about. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, then we will be saved. But note the part there, it says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you confess that, in essence, you are making Him Lord of your life. means that we are second. That means we lay down our lives and He is first. And that is how we become born again. Born of the Spirit. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, that opens up our eyes to see Jesus, enables us to respond to that invitation and come to the foot of the cross of Christ. You can run yourself much, okay, tired. But be on the wrong track. It can be like Jesus is in lane one and you are running around the stadium. <laughs> it's, it, it's, you can run a race and Jesus got nothing to do with it. The race that we're talking about is a race where it starts in Christ. And then we talk about how do we then run that race with Christ. And um, Emmanuel, you can show us that video clip. I'm going to show you this video clip and then just uh, stand still at that specific scripture um, for a moment or two. But we can just have a, just a, on the next slide, just have a look at that specific scripture that, that he's talking about there. And uh, read out of a different translation that, uh, that he used. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Just as a side note there where he says, therefore, normally when you do Bible study, if it says therefore, you, you need to ask, what is it there for? Okay? It normally means that there is something preceding that text which is relevant to what he is concluding on. Okay, so when he says therefore, he means Hebrews chapter 11, 
you go read Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about the legends of the faith. He begins, I think he begins with Moses and then, then he goes through a whole lot of the patriarchs. He says some of these guys, they were thrown to the lions, they were sawn in two, they were persecuted for Christ. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, of, so, the, so, so the cloud of witnesses that he's talking about there is the people that has gone before that has suffered for the gospel or that has suffered for God and for God's purposes. He says, since we are, so picture this, you're on an athletics track. Your life is an athletics track. And in the stands were all the guys that were martyred for their faith. They were sawn into, I don't know how that would look like, maybe stitched or something, but he's standing in the, in the, in the crowd. Um, there's guys that were thrown to lions standing there, and they are cheering us on. Like, come on, I know you can do this. Keep standing. Why are you in that relationship? It is not helping you run. Cheering us on, saying, come on, come on, I'm rooting for you. Um, you can do this. Christ in you will enable you if you're just willing to surrender. Keep going, keep going. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And putting this into perspective, verse 2, how do we do this? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, meaning the one that started it all, and the perfecter, the one that will finish it all, of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. This is talking about Jesus. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And it's easy to become discouraged in life. Maybe you fail the subject and you become discouraged. Lord, is it really what you're calling me for? Or maybe somebody dies that you know. Or maybe... You are standing in faith for somebody to come to salvation and you put yourself out there and share with them your testimony or the gospel and they sort of close the door in your face. Those kinds of stuff can easily discourage us. Or I need finances to study. I believe God is calling me to study accounting, but... There's no finances, so how do I go about this? And that door maybe closes, and you're like, now what? My answer to that is you keep running, and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Still, it, some stuff might not make sense in life, and life is going to happen. But the answer is not in running away from Jesus. It's about still keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I just want to just put it out there. Life, or a Christian life, is not a sprint. It is not a 100-meter dash where you give everything for 100 meters and then you fall flat. It is an endurance race. And I want to sort of just give you guys the liberty to press pause every now and then and just reassess, am I maybe unnecessarily on the right, or I'm in the right course, I'm in the right race, but maybe I'm running in the outside lane unnecessarily, and I'm making it unnecessarily difficult for myself. 
Maybe God is just inviting me to reassess and just come into the inside lane and run the race from there. Um, whatever that signifies to you, maybe it's, I don't know, have an example. You think of an example. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is maybe a very simple example, okay? Um, your own quiet time. We all know that reading the Bible and praying daily is good for you, right? Yes. If you didn't say yes, turn to a Christian next to you. No, I'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> um, reading your Bible is good for you. We all know that. However, do we always do that? Is there anybody that said yes? <laughs> if you function better at night, meaning you are somebody that wakes up only in your second class of the day, then having quiet time at night is maybe the inside lane for you, rather than having to feel condemned for not having quiet time every morning at five or at six before I get up or before I go to class. It might be the inverse for somebody that's early birds, that is like they open their eyes and they're just awake kind of a thing. Then use those mornings. Um, for those that are working, if you sit in traffic every day, half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever, I want to encourage you, get the audio Bible. Um, I used to do that when I did articles. Listen to the audio Bible on, on your way to work. It's amazing. It's obviously... It doesn't always feel the same as sitting down and reading Scripture, but it is an alternative which actually helps getting the Word in you and helping you meditate on Scripture rather than listening to Wackhead every morning. Maybe rather listen to Scripture. Because you're going to remember the jokes Wackhead make in the mornings, but, you might, but you're never going to remember Scripture if you never listen to it or never read it. Um, the students, you know who's Wackhead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just just checking for for that. Okay, here's the thing. Some of us run with some shame from the past. Some of us run with a weight on our shoulders of stuff we did wrong in the past. And God not only forgives us our sins, but He wipes away our shame as well. And if you're walking around still with shame of stuff that you did in the past, deal with it today. Okay, don't leave here with the same weight on your shoulders thinking I'll deal with it later, I'll deal with it tomorrow. I want to tell you that you don't have to run one step further with unnecessary baggage that you don't have to. Or maybe your father or your mother or your teacher or somebody's said a whole bunch of stuff and lies about you that you are, um, that you are not worth anything. Yo, I uh, had this conversation recently with someone whose father, no, I can't tell that, sorry, sorry, I, it's, I realize it's been told to me in private, so I can't actually just blow it from you, but the thing is that there's some, some people say some stuff about us sometimes, maybe it's our friends and saying that you, you, you are ugly or you are stupid. And we run around with this thing, or you will never amount to anything. You're a disappointment to the family. You're a disappointment, what, 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 what. 
And those things sort of sit there in the back of our minds, and it sort of shapes our identity. And I want to say that don't leave here with that same mentality of that that is who you are, because Jesus Christ says that that is not who you are. He says that if you are my child, I love you. The Father says, I've given my Son to you. And He's done that whilst we were still sinners. It's not as if any of us were pretty good and therefore God accepted us. It's like each and every one of us was a mess and to a certain degree is still a mess and we're all still a work in progress. That actually rhymed, eh? Um, okay, let's, read the, let's, let's finish up. Here's a key to this race. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish this race and if you finish this race. Luke 14, verse 28 to 30, and then verse 33. Suppose one of you want to build a tower. Will he not uh, first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And verse 33 says, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Everything we have. It doesn't mean you go and necessarily sell all your possessions. But there was this um, rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he asked Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus enters into this dialogue with him. At the end of the dialogue, he says, no, you're right. There's one thing that you lack. Go and sell all your possessions. And the guy couldn't do that. Because Jesus knew that that was his, was the one thing that he will not give up for him. Um, he didn't ask the rest of his disciples to necessarily go and sell everything. Um, but in the end, it worked out that way. Um, and we should all have that reserve about giving up everything. Now, I just want to say to you guys that even though it's biblical and you should respect your parents, I just want to tell you now, outright, that if there are certain things that your parents are expecting from you, which is not biblical, you don't do it. No matter how, no matter how much respect you have for them. If they're asking you to, to do something that is not biblical, then you say no. You might get kicked out of the family, but rather that than what you get you disqualify yourself for the race. I mean, make it more practical. If the history of your family has been involved in ancestral worship or sangomas, etc., and there comes down the line somebody in the family that says, in order for all of this bad stuff to end, end happening, you have to do all this kinds of rituals in order to to go through these traditions, I want to tell you now, you say no. If you need somebody to back you up, I'll send blessings to go with you. <laughs> no, but I mean, you can, you can well, actually what I want to say is I'll back you up, okay? The thing is, it's, we can't compromise on what, on, on what is biblical. And I know it's difficult. Um, so don't compromise on what the Word teaches us. Okay, I'm going to start finishing up here. 
counting the cost. For some of you, you might have to leave a certain relationship or not enter into a certain relationship, romantic relationship. Later in the year, we'll do a relationship week where we'll go into detail about relationships, etc. And uh, last year, we had long discussions about this. But rule of thumb, why would you want to get yoked with somebody that cannot love you like Jesus loves you? Meaning, why would you date somebody that doesn't know God? Just park it there. Okay. That might mean, for some of us, we might sacrifice certain relationships. You know, it might mean that some of you will go into full-time ministry. Maybe you've never considered that, but just keep that in the back of your mind. Maybe God is calling you to that. But even that, God is calling us out in the water, and there's a, there's a cost that we need to count. And uh, too often I've seen that the gospel being preached and trying to sell people the gospel, and making it all this rosy, it's going to be great, it's awesome, and it is that. And I realized yesterday at Encounter 1 that I tend to hammer people with a cost, and, and tend to not emphasize so much the benefit that you get out of it. And it's maybe just throwing the pendulum too far, but I just want people to get it, that Jesus says that because of me you will be persecuted. And if we don't tell people that part, then people are going to have a misunderstanding about what it means to follow Christ. Okay, amen. Last scripture. Revelation 22, verse 12 to 17. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. This is Jesus speaking. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the end. Look at this Look at this scripture as like graduation time. Like there's a whole ceremony and here Jesus enters and says, okay, it's, it's, it's awards time. It's graduation time. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Just pause there for a moment before we read the rest of the scripture there. There's other things sort of like, it's like, okay, the guys are doing magic arts, okay, I can understand. Jesus has an issue with them. You can maybe have an issue with somebody that's sexually immoral. You can maybe have an issue with somebody that's a murderer. Maybe somebody that worships idols can still have an issue there. But then he says there, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, people who are hypocrites. Saying one thing, doing another thing. We see a lot of that in church, right? You see people saying they're Christians on Sunday, Monday to Saturday, that doesn't reflect in their lives. And all that means is that there hasn't, there hasn't been a transformation into their hearts and into the outflow of their lives. And I just want to encourage you all, and I had this conversation this morning with, or yesterday with someone, is that in terms of that, I don't want to preach condemnation to anyone, but 
The thing is, is that often we try to fix ourselves. We figure if we can fix the fruit of our lives, then we will be more acceptable and a better Christian. And that's not what God is saying. He says, I know you can't fix yourself. Come to me. Abide in me. As we abide in Him, we are changed into His likeness. Like John chapter 15 talks about the vine and the branches. He talks about abiding in Him. And talks about fruit. And too often in church we see orange trees trying to be apple trees. What I mean by that is they try to cut off all the oranges off their tree and put apples on their tree. Surprise, surprise. It doesn't last. And when it's the next season, oranges appear again. And they can't understand why is this Christian life so hard in terms of why is it so difficult to change. But what needs to happen is God needs to change the nature of that tree from an orange tree into an apple tree and automatically the fruit will be apples. So if you're trying to stop doing certain things or you're trying to start doing certain things, just do a, just do a quick check. Are you trying to do that in your own strength or not? Because if you're trying to just you trying to do it by yourself, it's not going to last. That which is going to last is that which God enables you from the inside out to change. Amen. Last part of that scripture, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I think it misses. Come. <laughs> and that is an invitation that God holds before us. Like you're saying that the Christian walk is not an easy life. God doesn't invite us into an easy life. But she, oh, it is satisfying with God. There's sacrifices that my wife and I have made that in the natural it doesn't add up. But the, the reward of His presence and to see how God uses us because we are obedient to Him is amazing. And nothing, no reward on this earth can trump that. No reward on this earth can beat that. And tomorrow or next week, God is going to lay something in your heart to do something. Maybe it's to walk across the room to another person that you know and just start a conversation. Just to build a bridge to that person's heart. To build a bridge for the gospel to that person's heart. I know not everybody's open to the gospel. And uh, if you're going to plant here, we're going to teach you how to share the gospel with other people. We're going to teach you how to share your testimony with other people. But even if you don't have formal training in terms of how to do that, just put into words what you've experienced. It is like you've taken one step. You can describe to somebody else why you took that step and 
how it felt like taking that step. And uh, I want to encourage you, start praying for the, for the people in your reses. Start praying for the people in your classes. Because an intricate part of Jesus calling us to Him is that we lock purposes with Him. First of all, He calls us to Him. And that is amazing. We get a revelation of His love and we grow in a revelation of His love. But I see too many people chasing after goosebump experiences with God and not being willing to cross the road to somebody else and tell them about Jesus. And I'm like, you're missing the point. And yes, there's going to be amazing times in God's presence. But I can tell you now, the most that you are going to grow is if you put other people's needs in front of your own. People in small group or people in res or whoever. So as we minister that we mature. So don't feel like you are not qualified to, to do this. Jesus in you is qualified. Um, it's just we just, just say, okay, Lord, I don't know about this, but I know that you are able. So I'll give it a shot. Um, and maybe you're gonna get a blood nose out of in the process. <laughs> but then you're like, it's great. Now I'm starting to feel what it felt like for those guys that got martyred 